0: Is, the millennial song podcast have a seat and grab a glass millennial song podcast time to wind down swirl that glass open up if you like how it's feeling catch the fire turn it up
1: what's going on everyone my name is isis daniel also known as the millennial song and we are here for another episode of the millennial song podcast Oh my God, y'all. I can't believe we are still doing this. It's still happening. We still live. Oh my God. But anywho, today we have a very interesting um, topic that we're going to cover, which is really an extension of the conversation that I had with Julia Coney for Tasting Thursday on Instagram. So if you missed that interview, go on over to Instagram, at the Millennial Psalm, and check out that interview. Again, it was phenomenal. And I want to just give a quick shout out to her and thank her for um, coming on the show. It was amazing. So anyway. Back to what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right. So she said something very interesting during the live, which she was quoting, and I'm going to paraphrase, right? And she said, essentially, that the wine industry is a CD existing in a streaming world, right? Totally out of its element, stuck in the past, and it's imperative that we figure out a way to move forward for the sake of the wine culture and the wine industry within the United States. Now, I want to start this whole podcast off with a quote because I really think it's going to set the stage for our topic today. All right, so let's get into it. The 2022 State of the Wine Industry Report by Silicon Valley Bank states, In prior reports, we noted that the following interest in wine among younger consumers, coupled with the encroaching retirement and decreasing wine consumption of baby boomers, poses a primary threat to the business. That issue has yet to be addressed or solved and the negative consequences are increasingly evident. Okay. So we got problems, we got issues, we need solutions. And I think it's sad because when I look over the last two to three years within this industry, has there been change? Yes. But they're mainly like topical changes not actual changes that are going to impact the longevity of this wine industry that we are trying to save. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been going back and forth on how I want to tackle this conversation because, I mean, I think that there are many issues that are contributing to the downfall of this industry within our country, right? However, I'm going to focus on one aspect of it, which is this weird confusion and thin line between tradition and gatekeeping because if I'm being frank I think the key to the overall success growth and longevity of this industry starts with wineries now this is going to sound crazy I know it sounds crazy but I really believe that that's where the true issue is beginning and ultimately ending so let's go back to the top of the conversation. Addressing what I paraphrased, wine industry is a CD existing within a streaming world. Let's acknowledge what has changed: technology, social media. I mean, dag on customer trends and community. COVID impacts, social change requirements, inclusive diversity, climate change, sustainability. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on for the things that are necessary to survive moving forward with millennials and the generations coming after. And I mean, it's clear. It's clear that the industry wants to change. However, I think the problem is the motivation behind it. All right? Why do we want to change? Do we want to change because we want a more diverse, inclusive future? Um, Are we making changes because we actually are caring about climate change and sustainability? Are we making change because, hey, if everyone, all of the consumers, future consumers are mainly on social media, it's important that we change our marketing, we change our ads, we change our approach and how we even talk about wine and discuss wine and the language we use in wine to include the next generation. I mean, there are a lot of questions about the changes, you feel me? However... When it comes time to be held accountable, when it comes time to fully cross the threshold, not just in appearances, not just in ads, not just in lower level hiring, but to actually make real long term change that's going to impact the industry, we often come to a screeching halt. And we know why. Because we've seen it all before. You know, your baby cousin who keeps dating that same guy and breaking up and getting back together. And every time they break up, he comes, I'm going to do better, baby. I'm going to go to the family functions. I'm going to pick up the bill. And he does it for a little while. He'll pay something here, do something there. Him come hang out with the family. But really, when you look at the full picture, you realize that he's only coming around the family on very specific events. He shows his face and then he disappears into the grave. Unknown, or he starts paying the bills or doing whatever he said that he was going to do, but then there's all these other excuses, and you're realizing that it's very topical, not very deep, not very intimate, and these changes don't quite feel real. I see it, but I don't feel it. Well, that's exactly what the wine industry is doing. It's very topical changes, and the reason why it's topical is because of that motivation. What is guiding you to the change? If the change is motivated by the fact that the sales are decreasing and you're just trying to grasp for straws to get new clients, it's not real. And you know what homeboy in the wine industry failed to understand is that, <laughs> um, yeah, you can deceive us from how it looks outside looking in, but eventually we're going to start holding you accountable on some very basic needs. And you're gonna fail it every time because the motivation is just to get us through the door, to support you, to be there for you, to love on you, to make you rich, to make you money, while the people giving you the money we not cared for. Oh no, baby, we can't keep doing that. Now, now listen, wine industry. Every time I talk about consumers not being cared for, I typically get the same response. Either people agree and they have some solutions, or they agree. They have no solutions, or I hear this word, tradition. Now, it always throws me off because I don't understand what tradition has to do with the price of tea in China. However, by the way, that's a phrase for anyone who has never heard that phrase. It's a phrase um, that means, I don't know what that means, or I don't know what that has to do with anything. That's what that means, okay? Okay. Um, And the reason why I'm clarifying that is because I know I'm going to use that again, and I will not be clarifying what the price of tea in China means. Okay, so uh, go back to the point, Isis. (laughs) Webster's definition of tradition is an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. So when we think tradition, we within at least within the wine industry, there are very specific ideas that come to mind, like appellation rules, um, maybe even, you know, French wine-making techniques, styles, culture. And when we say culture, maybe if we focus on French wines, right, it's a source of pride for their country, but also it's a standard fare. Wine is typically affordable, high quality, and readily available. Now, if we approach that same idea of tradition, Tradition that we say maybe specifically in France or even in Italy where culture, wine represents its history, landscape and cultural traditions. I just wonder what traditions are we upholding within the United States? I mean, sure, we can talk about the use of American oaks, CMS blends, how we label our wines, innovation and creating new grape varieties. I mean, the list goes on on how creative we can be as a new world country making wine. But as our culture stands, I'm still waiting for an answer on what tradition we're upholding. So let's go ahead and head back to Webster and get the definition of gatekeeping or gatekeeper. All right. So it's one that tends or guards a gate, a person who controls access. I think that we are getting closer and closer to the what's really going down in the wine industry, which is wineries and other wine professionals are seeking out people to come and drink and be a part of this industry but ultimately the door is still closed right nini the door is closed that is what we're dealing with right now okay i'm sorry if i blew out your speaker but it just i felt it in my spirit <clears throat> And yes, there are wineries out there who care about their consumers, who are doing the work and the research to make sure that not only are we making wines that you like, but that you are represented within the company and in the advertisement. There definitely are wineries out there, but they're not the problem because they are a small fish in a very large oversaturated pond. Now the big fish happen to be OG wineries who have been in the game for years and OG vintners. These are the people really making decisions behind closed doors. Then you have lobbyists and you have all this other stuff. And we're going to talk about all that, but we're going to stay on the social level for right now. And just talk about the wineries because they truly are the thermostat of inclusion. But for the sake of this conversation, we'll say gatekeeping. So a while ago, I was hanging out with a whole bunch of sales reps. Lord, we had a great time because sales reps are crazy, okay? Y'all heard it from me. They are buck wild. They are partiers and always a good time. However, we were having a serious conversation about this concept of, I guess, wine culture and not really being inclusive and whatever else. And one particular lady responded to the conversation and said that it's important that we uphold tradition. The problem is we want to be inclusive, but we don't want to sacrifice tradition. And again, we've already kind of covered American wine tradition, which is really not centered in culture. It's centered in winemaking styles and preferences. It's, it's you know, it's American oak. It's blends. It's our labels. It's creating new grape varieties. None of that has anything to do with the price of tea in China, again, that being culture. So I actually came across this New York Times article that said the modern American wine industry that arose after World War II is rooted in commerce and entrepreneurship rather than cultural tradition. Love the quote, but I slightly disagree. (laughs) Um, because, you know, we've already discussed it, I really do think that the prohibition was the turn of everything bad when it comes to the wine industry. I mean, even the inefficient three-tier system, which we will be having vents from uh Vias for Vino, come on and we, we're going to talk about all of that. But even with the three-tier system, they created it after the prohibition to help control alcohol abuse, but to also decrease the potential political power of large companies who were having a monopoly on the market, y'all. It's like they did it to help, But honestly, it created a different type of wine culture within our community, within the United States, right? And it's, it's, it's a hot mess. <laughs> and I mean, y'all, oh, the, Wine industry being rooted in commerce and entrepreneurship, I do agree with that point. And I think that rather than trying to just make changes to the industry, I think that we as a community need to come together and decide what culture do we want to see within the industry? Right now, we are existing within a default culture, right? There are certain decisions that were made post um Get right, say fermentation <laughs> pro, um, prohibition, right? There were decisions made. they were trying to do the right thing and it actually opened the door for big businesses to stay in control and to be the thermostat while we as consumers and small boutique wineries or even just wineries trying to make change, but they need more support, all these laws, all of this is nothing but a consequence of the decisions that were made outside of our control. But we, as a community, can demand that we cultivate and change this new version of wine community, wine culture within the United States. There's a lot of conversation that goes into this. And y'all know, we just started this podcast. I already got like five part threes and fours that we got to implement. But this is yet another one. And we do have some friends who are going to come on and talk about inclusive diversity. we're gonna talk about that three-tier system. We're gonna talk about lobbying and laws and for the people whose eyes are glazing over with anticipation of boredom, it's Isis Daniel y'all. We gonna make this we gonna make this content fun, you know what I'm saying? We gonna do that. So don't worry. But it's important that we as consumers and as wine professionals and, as, uh, you know, as people who are wine enthusiasts, that we have these conversations and we start demanding change. And if no one listens to our demands, that we create the culture within our own communities. We don't have to feel like we're not included. We don't have to feel that we don't have a safe space in within this industry. We can make it. Some things are going to be a little harder, and we're going to be able to talk about Free the Grape and all the other resources available that's going to take a group effort. But we can also talk about what we can do right now within our own spaces and also within the communities that we have with different wineries and wine bars and everyone else. Like We're going to talk about that. We're going to get more into it. But for right now, I just want the wineries to know... That the traditions you're trying to protect is actually gatekeeping. And you're not trying to protect anything outside of your own interest. So I'm going to say this. um, This is like a personal lesson that I think is just relevant in anyone's life. But um, I went through something about last year. And I had to reevaluate some friendships, some relationships, all of the jazz, right? Um, But how did I do that? I decided to take a look at myself. Analyze how I was showing up, how I was communicating, um, all of the things, right? And it definitely made me realize that I wasn't showing up in the best light. And I made a point to no matter what, I don't care how embarrassed I am. I don't care if I have to throw myself under a bus. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm communicating in a healthy way and I am implementing positive change within my own life before I anticipate or expect someone to bring positivity my way. I want to encourage that to the wine industry because you are the key. Honestly, I I mean, I can't say it enough. I don't know how many ways I have to go about it. And I totally understand there's a saying out there that no one in the wine industry wants to be the first to do anything. But this is going to have the greatest impact on your winery, on the industry, on consumers. You are vital. And if you need help, I've been offering help to wineries forever and nobody ever takes me up. But y'all just need to hear me out when I say we can do this together. You're not alone. I know, and you know, I actually think it's interesting when we go back to that entrepreneurial mindset or state of our wine culture it totally makes sense because everybody trying to do everything by themselves and there's no need to we are a team we are an industry and we can cultivate a new culture that gets you money that person money and everybody else is drinking wine and being merry and happy we can do it there is a greater return in working together than it is being alone independent and gatekeeping by keeping other people out so If you want this wine industry to last, if you want to continue benefiting from it, yes, I'm talking about your pockets. If you want to keep them green, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to allow some changes to be made and help us as an industry cultivate this community and culture. When people drink our wines just as much as we drink, again, Italian wines, Spanish wines, French wines, when you drink their wines, you are immediately engulfed into their community, into their culture. We want the same thing. And that's going to boom our businesses, not just domestically, but internationally. Listen, there's a way we could do it, even catering to each individual state and the wines represented in each state. There's a way if we want to invest time I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm doing my research and I'm trying to figure out how I can help the industry. And if anyone has any ideas and things like that, come on, come with it. Let's do it. But we, it takes us coming together. It really does. So I hope that this podcast made sense <laughs> because it's one of my rant topics. And I was trying to, like, you know, bring it down <laughs> so I could communicate it. But it's really is, again, it's just that gatekeeping is really keeping us from thriving. And we're wondering why we're not growing. And it's just what the reason is. Okay. So I think that's going to are going to wrap it up right here. So y'all can catch me for Tasting Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TikTok at the Millennial Psalm. But then you can also watch our live interview at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Instagram. So I'll see you guys there. I love you all so much. And thank you for listening to the Millennial Song Podcast podcast. Love you. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial
0: Song Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Song Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass. If you like how it's feeling, catch the fire. Turn it up. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial Song Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Song Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass. Open up. If you like how it's feeling, catch the fire.